and witty, beautiful human being. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report Direct Message. It's November 11th, 2021. As always, you can chat with other viewers at rubinreport.locals.com. We are now streaming on Rumble Video. We're streaming on YouTube, streaming on Blaze TV, and we are doing a Rubin Report Locals Q&A today. We got a whole bunch of questions submitted by you guys. You still have a chance. There's a chance, because I do this for about a half hour. There's still a chance to get a question in live while I'm doing this, rubinreport.locals.com. And of course, you can download the Locals app on the Apple Store, at the Apple Store, or you can check us out on Google Play if you've got an Android. Uh, And normally when I do these Q&As, we just throw to one story up top, but there were three things that happened this morning so quickly that I was like, all right, we've got to touch on all of them. First off, Ron DeSantis, who is basically saving America single-handedly, has just had it with old Joe Biden, and he just had just an awesome line yesterday that we're gonna throw to. Then, speaking of Joe Biden, uh, he referred to Satchel Paige, one of the uh, baseball players in the old Negro League. Uh, he referred to him as a Negro, which, uh, you know, that's not quite the N-word, but Joe is reading off these things, he's a little confused. I'm fairly certain if Donald Trump had said exactly what Joe Biden said, that everybody would be demanding another impeachment, so we're gonna show you that. And then uh, and then this one's just breaking, you know, this Kyle Rittenhouse trial, uh, which has really just sort of gone off the rails here, and it's such a perfect example of how we're living in two different realities, because if you live in, I would say, a reality that's roughly close to the reality that I live in, it's fairly obvious uh, that he's gonna be acquitted. The prosecution has just done an absolutely terrible job and everything else. But if you live in the other reality, he's guilty, he's a white supremacist, you know, America's a patriarchy, the system, no matter what happens, it's proof that the system's evil and everything else. But there is just an absolutely extraordinary moment. I mean, this prosecutor is just just incredibly terrible, incredibly terrible. So we're gonna show you some video on that before we get to that. And then your questions, I wanna talk to you guys about convention of states. A bunch of you have been asking me about the convention of states. And you know, there's no question in my mind, obviously, that Joe Biden's vaccine mandates are unconstitutional overreach. If you're a regular viewer or listener to this show, you probably agree with me. The question is, what are we gonna do about it? We can keep complaining, we can keep voting for quote unquote better federal politicians, but we've tried that and guess what guys, it's not working. We need a new better solution to federal overreach and my friend Mark Meckler has one. Article five of the constitution allows the states to call a convention of states. This isn't about politics, this is about actual solutions. At this convention, the states gather to propose constitutional amendments that take away everything career politicians love, their money, their power, their careers in office, and the best part, there's not a single thing the feds can do to stop us. This movement is supported by names you know, like Glenn Beck, Governor Ron DeSantis, and Mark Levin. Go to conventionofstates.com slash Dave today and sign the petition to demand that your state legislators vote yes to Convention of States, I encourage you to stop complaining and do something. That's what this whole show is all about. Visit conventionofstates.com slash Dave and sign the petition today. Again, that's conventionofstates.com slash Dave. And now back to me. Okay, first off, Ron DeSantis has just had it with Joe Biden. And instead of just having it with him and making fun of him and let's go Brandoning him, he's actually got some solutions to, to figure out what to do with old Joe. Take a look. If they're going to come here, you know, we'll provide buses and provide them. Uh, we, I will send them to Delaware and do that. 
I mean, if, if he's not going to support the border being secured, then then he should be able to have uh, everyone there. Uh, so we will do whatever we can uh, in that regard. And we are absolutely going to do everything we can. Okay, it's pretty perfect. Obviously, what he's referring to there is if we're not going to defend the southern border and then all of these people are going to come through Texas and then we know they, they don't just stay in Texas. Obviously, in many cases, the federal government sends them all over the nation, but once they're in the country, they can basically do whatever we want. And I thought we were in some sort of pandemic and we shouldn't have people wandering around without masks and social distancing, blah, 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 forget all that. But DeSantis is basically like, look, if Joe Biden won't do one of his very few jobs that he's supposed to do, Biden does an awful lot of stuff that he's not supposed to do, mandates, et cetera, but one of the few jobs that the federal government is supposed to do is protect the borders. If he won't do it, then we're not just gonna let a gajillion people who we know nothing about, we don't know about uh, their vaccine status, we don't know about their cultural sensitivities, we don't know about their political beliefs, we don't know if they're extremists, yada, yada, yada. Uh, well, we're not gonna let them in Florida. And you know what, if they get into Florida, we're just gonna send them to Delaware. That is the type of response we need with these things. It really is. And then it's like, all right, Delaware, defend yourself from Florida, from sending buses in. It's like DeSantis is doing everything he can. That man deserves everyone's support right now. It does not matter if you agree with every political position he has. It's like, he is freaking trying. And if I'm not mistaken, I saw yesterday that the Democratic Party in Florida is basically, they're not gonna not run a candidate. I guess this guy, Charlie Crist, who was once the, the governor of, uh, he was once the governor, if I'm not mistaken, of Florida. Pretty sure he's closeted gay guy also, but you can Google that if you want. Um, not that I care about him being gay, but if you're closeted, it's a problem because you could be blackmailed, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they're basically pulling funds out because they know that DeSantis is pretty much unstoppable. So pretty good on the DeSantis front. All right, next up, this Rittenhouse trial. It's This prosecutor is gonna go down in the history as one of the worst trial lawyers of all time. Here, just in the last hour, uh, he was questioning a reporter on the scene about what's go, what was going on there. And listen to the way he framed this question. Um, your videos that you have captured of these incidents that you call riots, they're very uh, slanted against the people who are rioting. You characterize them as Antifa, Black Lives Matter, rioters, correct? Because they are rioting in the footage, yes, absolutely. You can't make this up. The videos of the riots are slanted against the rioters. And then the answer is pretty perfect there. I mean, this guy is absolutely terrible. This is the same guy who yesterday got smacked down by the judge who basically was like, you know, this is almost at the point of throwing this whole case out because Kyle Rittenhouse obviously has a right not to incriminate himself. He did take the stand, but like, we're gonna show you videos of rioting and your videos are actually slanted against the people burning things down and attacking public property and assaulting people and everything else. One more for you and then we'll get to the questions. Well, here's Joe Biden today. You know, I've adopted the attitude of the great Negro at the time, pitcher in the Negro Leagues went on to become a great pitcher in the pros into the Major League Baseball after Jackie Robinson. His name was Satchel Page. The great Negro at the time. Now I get it, Joe Biden was just misreading the teleprompter and he doesn't really know what he's saying and he's old and he's confused and I don't think he meant that in a racially pejorative way. But just for a moment, imagine if Donald Trump said that, right? We'd be in impeachment seven, there would be riots in the streets 
it would be abject insanity. So poor Joe, I mean, they just keep putting him out there. He's breaking down in front of our eyes. And speaking of eyes, his new thing, have you noticed this? Maybe we'll throw it to it one more time. His new thing is he can't open his eyes. His eyes are like this all the time. Let's throw it to it one more time. You know, I've adopted the attitude of the great Negro at the time, pitcher in the Negro Leagues, went on to become a great pitcher in the pros into the Major League Baseball after Jackie Robinson. I'm not exactly sure what's going on here. Maybe he adopted that great Negro League pitcher because he can't see exactly what he's reading because, you know, okay, okay. All right, let's get to some questions. Uh, Amy says, what are your thoughts on the creation of the University of Austin? Is this laying the groundwork to wake up the woke universities or is it the beginning of a big rift in our country? This is a great question. Uh, so if you haven't heard about this, a bunch of academics, really almost everybody that's involved in this has been in my studio. Uh, this is Steven Pinker, this is Ayan Hirsi Ali, this is my good buddy Pete Bogosian, this is uh, Neil Ferguson, uh, Barry Weiss is involved. This is a huge amount of what I would say are the somewhat sane liberals. I'm not exactly sure if they consider themselves liberals anymore. This is where the words sort of don't matter that much. I would say they're, they're, they're the non-woke liberals, something like that. Um, I would say, really, that just makes you a conservative at this point, but let's not get too lost in that. In essence, they are starting this university. Uh, it's called the University of Austin. Uh, Joe Lonsdale is involved. Joe Lonsdale, who is one of the co-founders of Palantir, who was an investor in Locals. Like, they've got good freaking people involved in this thing. Um, my hope is that they will actually be able to fight some of the wokeness and, and have a university. It's not an accredited university. I don't know that they're giving out degrees. I mean, this is just the beginning. Like you don't have all the answers at once, right? And what do I always say? You have to build new things right now. We should be letting Harvard and Yale, let them all crumble under woke social justice and build new things. So I think basically this is a very good thing. Now the question is, when they are saying that they're for you know, viewpoint diversity and everything else, as far as I know, there's no one there that's openly a Trump supporter, let's say. I think there's probably a couple people who are closeted Trump supporters, uh, but I don't know of anyone that was openly a Trump supporter. So where are you gonna draw the lines if right now you're starting this thing and you're saying that sort of if you supported that guy or, or you're sort of in that half of the country, you're not part of this, you're not being represented on the faculty or whatever. Uh, Heather Hying is also gonna be part of this. So anyway, I'm, I'm hopeful for it. But another piece of me also thinks that like, maybe we just don't need these things anymore. Maybe we really don't need universities anymore. If you're a 15, 16, 17 year old kid right now, and you're trying to figure out what you wanna do with your life, and if you can learn the amount that you can learn because of uh, videos that you find online, and, and now that you can just connect to different people because of social media and everything else, like do you really need a four year university? Now I get it, there are technical professions like that you really need to know something, right? And you can go to technical schools for those things. Or if you wanna be an engineer, I'm not saying that there's no value in having several years of education. I just think there's so many new ways of doing things. Do we need places with an actual campus? Of course, I get it also. College is a place where you, it's not just about what you learn sort of academically, but also you learn how to at least be a, uh, some degree of an adult, a young adult going into the world. So anyway, I'm hopeful for this. I don't, it doesn't have all my hope, but it has a bunch of my hope. I think that they'll need to widen that net because they've mostly got disaffected liberals and that's just fine, I know a little something about that, but you gotta open it up to get some of those scary conservatives and maybe even beyond that, get some anarchists in there, I don't know, like whatever it is, if you're really gonna defend academic freedom, you've really gotta do it, so we shall see. 
Uh, Antoinette says, have you been following the Rittenhouse trial? Can we agree that there is a systematic woke prejudice in all of our institutions? I don't wanna be cynical, but at some point we can't ignore the elephant in the room. So yeah, I have been watching it. I haven't been sitting there all day watching it. You know, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing the clips as they come out and I'm trying to follow along as much as possible. Uh, Tucker's been doing a really nice job uh, breaking some of it down, which is why we threw to one of his uh, videos yesterday. Um, we have a problem. The, the woke thing has infected everything. So it's like when I've been watching, you know, some of the clips from MSNBC people, you know, this, this Muppet looking guy, Chris Hayes or uh, Joy Reid or the rest of them, when I watch them or even some of the CNN people, the way they're analyzing it, it's like they still, they're just saying over and over that Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist. He's not. There's no evidence he's a white supremacist. And as I said yesterday, Joe Biden called Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist. Like we've all been through this game. I think one of the, the things is if, if you watch a show like this and you've been watching what I do for a while, it's like you've sort of seen the way the sausage is made, right? Like if you were with me just at the beginning of September, just you know, two, three months ago, when I was campaigning with Larry Elder and to watch the Los Angeles Times call, call him the black face of white supremacy, and Biden call him a, without saying his name, a Trump clone, a guy who was born in South Central, son of a janitor. Like we start seeing how the machine does things, how it, how it lies about certain people and how it elevates other people. Um, and that's what this trial sort of feels like to me. It's like, if you basically believe in the judicial system, if you believe that we can have an impartial jury and a true, honest, fair trial, well, it's happening in front of our eyes. And from, from the way I see it right now, the prosecution has done an atrocious, truly atrocious job. But you can watch plenty of media and Democrat politicians right now who are basically like lock them up and throw away the key. They're making jokes. You know, when he started crying yesterday, we showed you that video. Um, I saw a bunch of people making jokes about, oh, how much more he's gonna cry when he's in the showers at the jail. So I guess gay rape jokes are okay for the tolerant and diverse set. So yeah, this, this divide is just there. We gotta figure out how to manage it. Uh, Celeste says, in your opinion, what's the single most important message that Republicans must trumpet during 2022? I think it's simply this. Do you like America or not? Period. That's it. Do you like America? Do you like the flag? Do you like our founding? Do you like our laws? If you like those things, you're basically on the conservative side of things and you must vote out the Marxists and the leftists. That's what happened in Virginia, right? Like we don't want racism taught in the school. Uh, basic biology is real. Like the, the Republicans have such a simple message. And again, I don't even consider myself a Republican. Like I'm certainly more of a Republican than I am a Democrat, but as I always say, you don't have to be a Republican, you just can't be a Democrat, right? So the message is just so simple. Let let them keep doing their thing. America's evil, it's systemically racist, everyone's horrible, and only if you give us enough money and power and we you let us have mandates over you and control every part of your life, uh, that's how we'll fix it. That's one way of looking at the world, right? That's the, the mainstream media leftist worldview. And the Republicans, all they have to do, hey, we can't solve all your problems, but we'll do the best we can to give you the power back to solve your problems. It's basically, Here's the answer. Basically, they should be mapping DeSantis. DeSantis should be writing up a little script and just handing it out to every Republican. And that's it, because basically everything he's done in the last two years has been pretty freaking spot on and enough's enough. And people are looking, people are looking for some adults in the room, right? Isn't everyone kind of looking for that? Like when you have these rare moments when you see someone stand up for what they believe in and say what they 
believe like how important that is. You know, even uh, the, the interview that I did with Jordan Peterson from two days ago, we showed you the clip yesterday uh, where he talked about, you know, uh, I, he, this is Jordan's words, basically, I got the vaccine, now leave me the fuck alone. And Jordan doesn't drop the F-bombs that often. And it's like, he, what he was expressing there was, we did what you were supposed to do. We, meaning whoever got the vaccine, right? Did what we were asked, and they have not given us any more freedom. And I think in essence, Jordan, I think Jordan's line actually was stupid me, meaning I thought that that's what they were gonna do. Now, I never felt that. I never felt that if we did what they wanted, they would let us go. It's not theirs to give in the first place our freedom, right? So like, I never felt that and I'm not surprised. But I mention this because uh, Jordan just standing up and saying, okay, maybe I made a mistake or silly me, whatever it is, but now we must fight back. We just need more people. Just stand up, say what you think, see what happens. Uh, Kathy says, how was your time in Florida last week? We missed you. I mean, it was spectacular. It was just freaking spectacular. Did you have a good time? He had a good time. Did you have a good time? He had a good time. We had a great time. It, the, it was open. The food was great. The people were happy. Um, we bounced all over the Miami area doing all sorts of things that I'll, perhaps I'll tell you more about in the next few weeks. Uh, but there's a lot of good energy. You know, we moved locals down there, so we're hiring down there. Uh, my sister now lives in the area with her kids. Like there's just, there's just a lot of good stuff happening there. And, and as I said the other day, it's like here in LA, I don't really go out, but when I do, everyone's still wearing masks. These people, it's just like, it's like Attack of the Clones. It's just clones everywhere, still wearing masks. There's no discussion anywhere in the media about are we gonna ever take masks off? Now they want them through 2023. I mean, it's really psychosis. But in Florida, there was basically no one wearing masks. And if you wanted to wear a mask, you wore a mask. And frankly, I would look at people and be like, well, that's unfortunate for you, but it's your choice. And that's the way it should be. And the weather was great. And I didn't mind a little humidity and my hair wasn't as flat as I thought it was gonna be. It was all good, it was all good. TK says, we were thinking about a trip to Texas in November, 2022, but will, have, will they have seceded by then? Uh, that's a good question. I don't think they will have seceded by then. I don't think things are quite at that point, but I do think, as I said, that there will be a furthering separation of the blue and red thing. It will just sort of continue to go. And by the way, Texas is a little closer on the fence than you might wanna believe. You know, Texas has that blue center of Austin, uh, but you know, Ted Cruz only beat uh, Beto O'Rourke by what, like two points? Can we get the numbers on that? The Ted Cruz, Beto O'Rourke situation uh, for Senate last time. So it's not like Texas at, is as solidly red as you would you might want. Florida, on the other hand, is, is looking good in that department. I don't think Texas will secede. By the way, I don't want states to secede. I don't want there to be a civil war or any of those things. Because as I always say, they will never let us alone. If you, if you took all the red states and people just left and then all the blue people in the red states left, the red states would flourish, the blue states would be crumbling, but they will not stop coming for your success because your success is what makes them angry in the first place. Uh, we got some numbers. Uh, Cruz in the last election got 50.9% of the vote. Beto uh, got 48.3. So really think about that. That's basically, a, it's a two and a half point difference Beto is a radical, crazy, furry leftist. He's a furry, right? He wears furry costumes. Isn't that a whole thing with him? He's like a furry guy. Don't we have that? Can we get that picture? Is there a picture we can maybe throw up? What was the deal with him being a furry or something? But anyway, the point is he's, a, he's an anti-gun, big government lefty. He got 48.3% uh, of the vote. 
last time. So, you know, that tells you it's not as safe as perhaps it should be. Why do I think Beto O'Rourke is a furry? There is something. He is some sort of a furry. Can we, what? He was a cat? He was a cat. Okay. I don't know exactly what we're talking about here, but just, uh, you've got Google. Uh, Peter says, uh, what do you think happened to Gavin Newsom? So look, Gavin Newsom disappeared for 11 days after he got the booster shot. He came back, I suppose it was yesterday or the day before, gave a press conference, said it was because his kids wanted him to do Halloween with him and trick or treat with him. And then he canceled his trip to go to this climate conference. I don't believe any of that. Now, unfortunately, we don't have journalists. We just don't have journalists. We have people who respond to what politicians say. So, you know, I saw at this press conference, a couple of journalists asked him, like, Gavin, where were you? And he says that, and then they just report that, and that's it. Um, there are a bunch of people who were reporting, Daily Mail reported that insiders in his circle said that he did have some sort of physical reaction to the booster shot, that he had muscle weakness and something going on with his face. I don't know if that's true, but I know that if Ron DeSantis had disappeared for 11 days, media silent, no video, et cetera, et cetera, people would be going completely insane. Um, and instead with Newsom, it's like you disappear for 11 days, no one says a word, then you give your excuse, oh, you just wanted to hang out with your kids for Halloween while well, Halloween was 10 days ago. Um, but oh, that's what you said, so it must be true. Uh, I'm being told Beto was a sheep, not a cat. I don't know exactly what we're talking about. Why do the furry people love Beto? Isn't there's this group of people that wear big furry costumes. They love Beto O'Rourke. So Texas, you've got to watch out. You see what I'm saying? Anerton says, uh, what did you think about Elon Musk challenging the UN to be transparent where the UN food funding goes? Do you think the US should be giving money to them? Look, the UN is the most deeply corrupt, sort of globalist, nonsensical, ridiculous organization that could exist. They had good intentions when the, when the UN started, you know, 70-ish years ago, right? Like after World War II, they were trying to get this League of Nations type thing and everybody would sort of work together and make decisions that perhaps could, you know, get the world community in some sort of cohesion and we could help people and all sorts of stuff. It isn't, they, they spend all day focused on the wrong things. If you look at the UN's Twitter account, it's tweeting about systemic racism in the United States and gender day and queer day and blah, blah, blah. So I would defund the whole thing. Actually, at this point, the UN, they've become pretty useless, right? You don't hear from the UN in this last two years with the crazy worldwide pandemic. Didn't hear much from the UN. That's partially because Trump defunded so much of it. But I would just, I, basically, I would kick them out of New York City and just the, U, the United States shouldn't be funding any of these organizations anymore. Uh, but for more on the UN and what it's like to work at the UN, I did interview Nikki Haley, who was the American ambassador to the United Nations. Uh, we did that right in this studio. And uh, if you search Rubin Report, Nikki Haley, it will show up. Danielle says, hey Dave, even though Biden's poll numbers are plummeting, it's pretty clear that the Democrats do not care about the polls. They're not going to change their positions, but actually double down harder. Do you think this will expose the charade that the, that the Democrats care about the country? Will this wake up their supporters? I took a sip for a little pause there for that. Um, one of the things that I've seen over the last you know, six years, let's say that I'm doing roughly this show, is that every time the left had a chance to kind of look in the mirror and say, maybe we're going a little too radical. Maybe we're shouting down too many speakers. Maybe we're you know, deplatforming too many people. Maybe we're attacking basic math and basic science related to gender. They just project all that stuff on the other guys and they just keep going. 
I think there are fundamental reasons for that. I think it's partly facts don't care about your feelings. It's that the left is so wrapped up in their feelings that if someone feels something even more, so you take the squad and the really radical nutty leftists, they really feel something and they're crying and screaming about it. So then the good liberals who don't really know what they believe, I think this is why I've come around on some of the God stuff too. They don't really know what they believe because they're all just sort of secularists on steroids. They see a bunch of people screaming and crying, so that must mean that they're good. Then you see sort of Republicans or conservatives, and they're usually more put together and thoughtful and calmer, but somehow that must mean that they're bad, like they've got power or something and they're competent or you know that must have something to do with the evil systemic corruption or something like that. So for that reason, the left always gets dragged to its worst parts. It's like, where are the good Democrats? Now I know you can point to Tulsi Gabbard. I completely agree. I love her. I adore her. I think she is a good woman. And it would be it would be nice if she could start a sort of reset in the Democratic Party. But I honestly I don't even know if she believes if she considers herself a Democrat anymore. I'll gladly have her on again to talk about it. Um, but there is no evidence that the the moderates in the party have any chance. Now you could take say Kristen Cinema. And uh, who's the other guy? Um, who was the guy you know, that wasn't going? Um, uh, Joe Manchin, thank you. Um, you could take two of them and say, all right, well, the, they're sort of moderates because they, they stopped the bill from being passed. The 3.5 went to, to 1 trillion, even though money doesn't mean anything and whatever. So yeah, it's not that there's nobody, but like, is the energy and the future of the party, is it Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin? Like, I don't think so. They've decided to go in with this thing. And that, that's why social justice was such a danger this entire time because it was a cult, not a political ideology. If you tell me there's a political ideology, what do we believe? Like, what, are, what do I believe? I believe in individual rights. I believe that the government shouldn't do that much, but I'm not an anarchist, so it should you know, control borders. There should be police and firefighters, things of that nature. And we, then we can talk about taxes. And by the way, if you're interested in any more of my specific thoughts on any of this, it's all laid out and don't burn this book. I would prefer a flat tax, blah, blah, blah. Like I have some sense of what I believe, individual rights, and, and your dignity as a human being to live for yourself is, is sort of tantamount to Western society. Leftists basically believe if they could just have enough power to do the stuff they want, that that in and of itself is good enough. So they're always going to that. Those two positions, they don't really work. And that's why, that's why what's happening right now feels so crazy. Because this isn't just liberals and conservatives arguing with each other. I want higher taxes for more government programs. I want lower taxes for less government programs. Okay, there's a, there's a debate. And then we can sit in a room and go, okay, you're gonna kind of win a little bit on this. You're gonna win a little bit on this. We're both gonna lose. Nobody's gonna be totally happy. And that's what a good negotiation is. That's not what we have anymore. We have people who want to destroy the project. And then we have people who wanna save the project. And that doesn't mean that every Republican is great, obviously, because they ain't. Uh, but that's where we are. So I don't sense that they're gonna turn around. Uh, but, and really to your point, like, so Biden's numbers are really going down right now. I think it's, his approval's at like 38. Kamala's at like 28. As Jimmy Kimmel said, that's because we're all racist and sexist. Um, but they will not stop because they believe in ideology more than truth. And, and to some degree, if you want the silver lining on that, the silver lining is that they're destroying an awful lot of stuff. We know prices are going up and gas and all the stuff, right? We know it's all happening. They're telling us that Thanksgiving's gonna be more expensive and get less presents for Christmas and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, enough people are waking up to that and going, man, these guys suck. This guy's worse than Jimmy Carter. So uh, I do sense a red wave and then, then we'll see where we're at. Sandra says, is it impossible to break our made in China addiction? I feel like we're past the point of no return, 
But how could we turn that into an advantage? I think Trump would have found a way. We are so locked in with China because of debt that we have and poor trade deals. And this is all the stuff that Trump was screaming about for five years, basically, you know, from the year before he was president, the four years he was president, everyone would call him racist because of it. He tried to stop travel from China at the beginning of COVID. He was told he was racist. Uh, he called it the China virus. That was racist too, blah, blah, blah. We have a huge problem with China on our hands. China is stealing our IP. China is putting fentanyl on our streets. China most likely uh, had something to do with a lab leak that put COVID here in the first place. Um, we are becoming more China-like every day. I, I referenced this the other day, but in my interview with Blake Masters, who's running for Senate in Arizona a couple weeks ago, he talked about how as we started sitting down with China, the original idea of the last, say, 10, 15, maybe even 20 years, was that China would become more like us. They would see a liberal democracy and they would say, oh, we wanna be more like you. We want more people to be free. We want more people to have opportunity, things like that. But unfortunately, we've become more like China. We now have mandates. We don't respect individual rights. We're forcing companies to do things that they don't want. So uh, we're not in a good place with China. Uh, got a little update here. Trump signed multiple orders to support American-made goods and started a Buy American movement, which of course was told was called racist. Now Biden says something similar to that. He's not racist when he does it because he calls it Build Back Better or something. Trump called it Buy America. Um, so you, you see the stuff here. I, I don't know how we get out of the situation with China, but it really is the issue. Like if you think Russia is our biggest uh, geopolitical foe, it's like, no, that's, that's not it. It really, this right now is all about China. And do we have enough people? It's, it sort of goes back to one of the first questions. Do we have enough people who will stand up and say, no, I'm, I'm here for America. I believe in America and I don't wanna be subordinate to China. And we're not just gonna let them ever encroach on us and change the way we live. And, and be their bitch, basically, because that's what we're becoming. Uh, Perry says, pride is a powerful thing. I suspect that's one of the reasons the left can't get over Trump. What could persuade them to get beyond their pride and vote differently? Look, this is the, this is the great challenge, right? Like, what, one of the things that the left does really well is they hate whenever a conservative is in power, and they, they took that to, like, the zenith, right, the apex of that with Trump, where they made him into, you know, orange Hitler, uh, but they take anyone that's in power that's Republican is always the most awful thing possible. But then when they're out of power, they kind of like them again. Now they haven't done this with Trump, but you know they do kind of like George W. Bush now, right? They, they like uh, the idea, uh, they love Liz Cheney now because she's sort of on, her out, on the outs with the Republicans. So now she's a good Republican. Um, so how do we get them to put their pride away? Well, this is, what you're really asking, I think, is what does the future of the Republican Party look like if it's gonna be sort of wider? Right, so like, look, I think you can make an absolutely good argument for why Trump should run again. I think he still is the energy of the party. He's still sort of the center of the universe. If you wanna talk about rallies and blah, 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 and all of that stuff, it's like, it makes a lot of sense. On the other hand, you know that a certain amount of people, no matter what, they have their reasons, it is what it is, they don't like the personality, they can't get over it, they've been confused by the media, all of it, the, whatever. They're just not gonna go in that direction, okay? It just is. So what makes more sense to me would be that you would take a guy like DeSantis, who I think is making all the right choices, have Trump acting as the bodyguard, I've talked about this before, deal with the media nonsense, get the rallies going, and like sort of step aside, do the one thing that Trump's never really done, which is put the ego aside a little bit for, I don't, I don't like the phrase the greater good, but for, for, the, for the chance that America can, can get through this 
crazy Marxist insanity. That would be the best move, I think, because I don't think a lot of the people that are truly deranged by Trump, they're not gonna come around. And by the way, you know, if, if Trump in his heart of hearts, if he actually believes that the election was fixed, now I'm probably gonna get booted for talking about what someone else thinks about something, but if Trump really believes that they fixed the election and they colluded and whatever it is that he believes at this point or he talks about, well then why wouldn't they just do it again? Has he done anything? Uh, and I say this as someone that voted for Trump and probably would vote for him again if he ran, although I would gladly vote for DeSantis first. I think you see my point. Um, if, if he believes that they really did fix it last time, well then has he done anything or has he overseen anything that would stop them from doing it again? That's not a reason not to run, but like you gotta think about that a little bit, don't you? Don't you have to be like, oh, we really needed to get more people on the ground in these places and everything else. Now, by the way, the Republicans have been trying to do some things on the ground related to elections, like in Texas and in Georgia, et cetera, et cetera. And they're called racist for it and everything else because you know, if you show your ID to, show, to vote, you're a racist. You show your ID to get on a plane, that's sane, but you know, you get it. So anyway, this is what the Republicans have to figure out is what does this collection of people look like? There's a lot of interesting people, right? You've got Dan Crenshaw, you've got Nikki Haley, you've got Tim Scott, you've got Trump, you've got DeSantis. Like there is a collection of something and could everyone sort of get in a room and be like, hey, we got a much bigger problem. We got a much bigger problem than whatever our differences are, like the, the ominous move of communism, Marxism, it's here, so let's figure out the best way to do this. I think if Trump can make that move, like what a cool sort of uh, ending to the story. It doesn't even have to fully be the end, but like what a cool sort of chapter of the story where he was like, you know what? There's someone else that might be a little more effective as an administrator here that wouldn't cause all of the lunacy and I can help and I'm gonna help instead of making it all about me. Like that actually seems kind of cool to me. Uh, Marissa says, do you see any way the Rittenhouse verdict doesn't end in riots? Probably not. Um, I think there's gonna be riots. Look, well, I do think he's gonna be acquitted. If, if anything I have watched has been indicative of what's gonna happen, I mean, this prosecution's been absolutely horrible, so I do think he will be acquitted. I mean, the prosecutor was talking about how he plays video games, so he wants to kill people. I mean, really just like batshit loony stuff. Um, the left has learned that if you don't get your way, you can riot, right? Even now, I just saw this morning that in New York City, where the new mayor, Eric Adams, he's the new incoming mayor, uh, he's saying that he may start funding police again and start may, may start cracking down on some of the crime, et cetera, et cetera. Well, now BLM and Antifa are saying that they are gonna bring back riots if he does that. So it's like, how are they not designated as domestic terrorist organizations. We have a certain subset in society that says, if you don't do what we want, we will bring violence. And it's interesting because, you know, in the last 10 months since Biden became president, where have all the riots been? Did we stop systemic racism? Have no people been shot by police? Or could it be that they're sort of coordinated? Guys, hear me out. I'm going on one of my crazy theories that perhaps all the riots and the destruction and BLM and Antifa are actually somehow connected loosely to the Democrats. And when they need more violence, they can kind of turn it on. And when they want less, they can kind of close the spigot. Could that possibly be? Or am I a complete conspiracy theory maniac? I'll have to think about that. Talway says, with the federal government looking at shutting down Michigan's Line 5, something Governor Gretchen Whitmer has been looking at for years, and with the Keystone Project shut down, what do you see happening as winter comes on and, and common people 
need more energy. You know, this is a little bit related to my conversation with Jordan Peterson the other day about the best way to make human flourishing, to free people, and for economic success, and to get people less reliant on the system is cheap energy, cheap energy. That is what will do it. And then we can deal with climate issues. And as Jordan talked about, he'd like to get a summit going to really debate climate issues honestly, as opposed to, oh, you have to believe in global warming the way they lay it out and you have to believe in all of their remedies, otherwise you know, you're know you a conspiracy theorist and everything else. Um, look, we know gas prices are rising. We know about all the supply chain stuff. I sense it's, it's gonna be pretty bad, probably in certain parts of the country, in the, in the more northern and eastern states as it gets colder. Uh, if gas prices are going up and heating prices are going up and oil prices are going up and everything else, it's like, that's not good for common people. That's not good for the average person. You know, when, when gas prices rise, Biden says, well, I'm never gonna tax, you know, poor people. We're just gonna tax those rich people. Well, if, you, if gas prices keep rising, who, who does that affect? Does that affect the rich guy in his Tesla? Or does it affect the, the poorer person who has to drive further to work or has to drive the truck, et cetera, et cetera? So I sense it's, it's gonna be a kind of rough winter. And then of course, you know, they'll, they'll be pushing more COVID stuff and it's back and dark winter and everyone's dying and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man, get some control over your life. Know what you believe. Figure out how to be less reliant on these people and you, you will be happier. This is, this is very much what my next book is about. Uh, all right, last question. Landon says, do you feel that the conservative movement is actually gaining ground or are we just thinking that these small victories are just stop gaps holding back the inevitable flood of leftism? I like that we're ending on this one. Look, I think at some level, this, the, the, the specter of Marxism and leftism, it's sort of here, like they've infected so many young people. They've infected so many systems, teachers brainwashing kids into believing they're not the gender that they are, telling them that two plus two doesn't equal four, all of the stuff, it is so rotted and it is so, in, it is so uh, institutionalized in everything that we all see, right? It's, it's on Apple TV or you have, it's on Netflix, like it's, it's coming through the pipes and the programming and all of those things. And that all feels horrible and it sucks. But you know, I often talk about that, that star in the distance and how we need hope, right? And we got hope at a, at a political level a week and a half ago, basically, with the election in Virginia. Parents stood up and stopped Terry McAuliffe, who I don't think he stands for anything, but so he, in essence, was standing for crazy woke leftism and teaching critical race theory and everything else. And parents stood up and Glenn Youngkin won. Now that's a win. That's a real win. And then it makes more people, probably in other states, go, boy, you know, something did happen. We showed up to vote, we pushed back, and we got a win. So it's gonna happen on a state-by-state -state basis. It's gonna happen on a local basis. I also think culturally, you know, it's kinda, it's kinda coming around a bit. Right before we started the show, uh, Michael said to me that uh, Ben Shapiro was on Joe Rogan yesterday. And uh, what was the line? Roughly, he said, Rogan said something to the effect of Ben, to Ben at the beginning, something like, oh, aren't you happy that it's, it's cool to be a Republican? Is that what he said, something like that? that more people are becoming Republican right now. And it's like, all right, maybe the, the more painful, long, long slog that a bunch of us have been through, fighting the machine, being called the leader of the far right, like the New York Times called me, uh, or just all the stuff that we've all sort of been through that you guys have seen, 
It's like, maybe we are winning converts, average decent people, right? Like I, I know somebody, I don't wanna to give too, too much away, but somebody that I know here in LA, uh, who's in the entertainment business, that it was really like a bananas lefty, his whole life, like far more left than I even ever was, uh, who is completely red-pilled right now uh, because he works in entertainment and no longer can hire teams of writers based on their skill, their writing skill. And he, he happens to be in comedy. I've said too much at this point. Uh, but he can't hire a writer's room filled with the funniest people. He has to get, oh, I have one Indian. I have one trans woman. I have one cripple. I have somebody who's deaf, somebody who's blind. I mean, it's a comedy in and of itself, right? But now he's red-pilled. They're, they're red-pilling the average person. So I, I am hopeful in that regard. This is uh, you know a little bit of what Michael Malice would talk about is, you want these people to be out there as much as possible saying all of their crazy shit. So for every person that it feels like AOC says these crazy things, and, and then the, you, for a certain amount of young people that are like, oh my God, she's so right, she's on TikTok and she's drunk and she's laying on the floor while she's talking, she's so right and she loves Bernie. Well then the question is how many people do actually look at that and be like, man, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's completely ridiculous. These people are still wearing masks. They still believe that the government's gonna save you from all of those things. So I think there has been a mass red pilling. We just need to keep showing up. We keep, just, it's what I always say, just talk, just tell your neighbors and your family what you think. It ain't easy, we've all got problems. I guarantee you, every single person watching this right now, and myself included, and, and the guys in this room and everybody else, We've all got issues saying what you think. Everybody's got it, right? Family problems right now. Everyone I know, oh, I think everyone I know is dealing with some other family problem related to politics or belief or mandates or everything else. The choice is you will either stand up and say what you believe or you'll just, oh, okay, vaccinate my kids. Okay, do, do what's against my conscience. Okay, I'll wear a mask forever. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Like, do you think that the world will suddenly magically get better? It won't. And, and that's exactly what I was talking about with Jordan Peterson. I think he was, he was having a really sort of beautiful mea culpa and it came with a little bit of, a little bit of pain and anger, which is why he dropped the F-bomb when he said it. He's, he's saying, man, I thought if I did this, you guys would let up, but this ideology does not want to let up. And by the way, I would grant Jordan a very long leash on this because he had such horrific health stuff for a year and a half uh, that, maybe he made a decision without fully thinking it all completely through. I don't wanna put words in his mouth and I'll gladly discuss it with him again. But like people are waking up. I've seen the reaction to the video and an awful lot of people were like, yeah, I kinda did it too. I got the vaccine because I thought they'd let us out again. And meanwhile, here in Los Angeles right now, unless you are vaccinated, you cannot go to a restaurant. You cannot go to a bar. For now, they'll let you go to the, the supermarket, but like they're not gonna stop. They're not gonna stop. So what did you do at the time when it was here and it was on the front, at the front door? Did, did you hold the door? Did you get your house in order? Or as Douglas Murray said, did you just debate which gender pronouns they are as they're you know, rampaging through the castle? The choice is yours. Part two of my interview with Jordan Peterson is up right now on the YouTube. The full is up already ad free at rubenreport.locals.com. And tomorrow we are back with a Friday panel. We've got Stu Bergery from The Blaze, Lauren Chen, and Allison Williams from The Daily Wire. She's the one who was on ESPN and then did not want to go along with their vaccine mandates. So she left uh, ESPN and she joined The Daily Wire. That's what I'm talking about, standing up for what you believe in and you will find success 
on the other side. I just know it. My life is, a, is an example of it, and there, there's so many other examples as well. Anyway, hope you enjoyed the show today. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubinreport.locals.com.